0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more.
1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Michaela Hooper. I'm
2: Tia McNelly. And I'm Jess Biondo, and this week we are super excited to have Jessica Hoddle on the show, and she is passionate about helping others way less emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, And she's just so vulnerable with her own struggles and her own journey, and I'm really, really excited to hear more about that, and I think um, it'll be just a powerful testimony for our listeners out there. Uh, So Jessica, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so
3: much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
2: <laughs> We're excited to
4: have you. Yes. Hey, what does your shirt say?
3: Uh, we can Jesus see you on is, video. <laughs> Jesus so. is my rock. That's how I roll.
2: Nice. That is awesome. <laughs> um, so to start us off today, just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you ended up with this platform that you've been given. And um, I know you're also an author. You have a few books out. And so just kind of, if people haven't heard of you yet, what do they need to know to start to get to know who you are? Mm,
3: That's good. It's it's always that question of where do I start, right? Because we all have testimonies. We all have these journeys. And every season of life brings something different. And I think for me, it really just stemmed from this place of From childhood, and I think I I always tell people, kind of, I came out of my mother's womb, kind of in trauma, um, with my my mom's own emotional things, and my dad, and then their relationship together, and coming out of that, it's kind of that hindsight. Like I didn't know, you don't know that you're born into this, you know, and your your caregivers, you trust them, and they're the ones that are supposed to take care of you, so you believe everything they say, because. you don't know any different. And therefore, you know, when something's happening with your caregivers or the people that are taking care of, you, you tend to internalize it because you don't know how to exter- like to communicate. And so you start to think what's wrong with me. What did I do wrong? And I kind of took that a lot into my teenage years and I had to grow up really fast, you know, coming from a home that was, that was always kind of very unsteady, very not safe and just very unhealthy. And taking all of those lies and promises I made to myself that, you know, I would never be this way or I would never act that way. Mm. Those promises are nice, but those promises can become strongholds. Mm. And that's what happened is I made these promises that, you know, Jess, you were always going to have hot water. You were always going to have food. um, You were always going to have heat. And those those promises led me to striving and like hustle Mm. because I was afraid that I was going to go back to that and living kind of in that victim and in poverty mindset. Therefore, everything I did was I had to make money because if I don't take care of myself then who will. Mm. And that's just the belief that I had formed. And I never looked at it as being wrong. I looked at it as I was just trying to make a living Mm. and that kind of transformed into um, putting all of who I was into men because I didn't know who I was. And that was a very young age of losing my virginity and then moving into when I started my fitness business, all of who I was then became in my body, how I looked, what what it looked like, how I worked out, what I ate. And then of course it moved right into my business. So as you can see, I put all of who I was into pretty much a lot of the categories of life until I just started was like this 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 is not the right way. Yeah. I've tried it all my way. There has to be another way. And that's kind of where the Lord really started to get a hold of me, which is why I'm passionate about what I do so that I can kind of take a few steps off of women now and say, hey, then no, slow down. Let's go this way.
4: That's so good. I love it. Um, it actually kind of reminds me of um, a book that I'm reading right now called Jesus Over Everything by Lisa Whittle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we can tend to put other other things in place of Jesus, or, or even over Jesus yeah. in priority in our life, and it sounds like um, you kind of had to go through a journey to figure out, okay, how do I actually put put Jesus uh, first and at the center of what I'm doing and everything that my life is about? So, how did you get there? How did you get from mm. that mis, misplacing that your priority mm. or emphasis in your life, and kind of moving from that that brokenness?
3: Mm. I didn't know the Lord until I was roughly 22. I didn't know anything. I didn't know Jesus, God, like all of that. So my foundation from the start was there was no foundation. (laughs) I was very curious. I didn't understand. People always would say they believe certain things. And so at 22, I found the Lord, but my life didn't change. I was the checklist kind of Christian girl. I go, this is a good idea. Go to church, you know, tithe every once in a while, open your Bible to like something really cool. Hopefully it makes me feel good. If I don't understand it, you know, who cares? And I really started to dive kind of into some personal development and some masterminds at the time. I was still roughly 23, 24. And I came across my spiritual father and he was in, he was actually a teacher in one of the masterminds that I was in, and he just actually just became my spiritual father. Like he actually said, he knew that he was my spiritual father, which is important because we often put expectations on people to to serve us and to be this you know accountability. But he really kind of took over this head of me in my life and was a father figure. He loved on me, he cared for me, and that's when I began to understand because he would call me out on what I thought was true and right. To say this is wrong yeah. and it's unkind and it's not his word and it's not his best for you. So that is really the starting point is I actually had somebody speak truth to me because mm-hmm. I was very stubborn. You know, like this is my way and I was very independent. And, and he had to really kind of work through that to get to me, but he stayed steady. And if I can encourage anybody, it's going to people that don't agree with what you feel, but that will always speak truth to you in a way that is kind and loving. And that is what I needed to be able to kind conf- just even get to the point of confronting any issues I had. Wow. wow, that's amazing.
2: And what a beautiful picture of the love of the Lord that yeah. He knew the home you came from and the brokenness mm-hmm. you experienced. And so He provided another figure someone mm-hmm. outside of your family but to be that role to encourage you and support you and speak truth to you and I just so I just love how he he provides for our needs even if they're not met in the way we may have wanted or expected originally mm-hmm. um, okay. and that's just really cool yeah I, so as safe. you <laughs> began to grow and learn and change um what are some ways that you started to figure out who you really are and how do you remain
3: rooted in that true identity? Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this idea that um, I often ask myself questions mm. because that takes me back to what am I standing on to be the pillar in my life? And am I being rooted and grounded in the truth? So for me, it would be asking questions like, what are my thoughts producing? You know, am I exhausted? Am I tired? Cause that can lead to me to say that I'm striving, which then tells me that I'm trying to be the provider. And like I'm trying to be the owner. I always look at God's the owner, we're the stewards. So I try to often be the owner in my life versus the steward. And I'll just ask myself, you know, just like just checking in, how are you feeling today? Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Are you just trying to check off your to-do list? Because that's like, I'm a girl of a list. And I love a good list. And I'll start trying to check it off in that striving mentality. And I'll just kind of, again, ask myself, what, what are these thoughts producing? So if I'm putting all of who I am in my body, I'm going to produce more of that, meaning I'm going to start to be aware that I'm putting, I'm looking at myself more or the scales out more, or I'm being afraid to eat certain foods because those that's how I used to uh, used to live. And that's mm-hmm. those are triggers for me to go, what is this producing in my life? Mm-hmm. And I'll just often go back. And so to stay in identity is to remember that your identity is not a feeling, which most of us search for. It's like, oh, I just got to feel worthy. And I was like, guys, listen, if I felt worthy most of the time, I don't even, I don't even know if I'd be here, <laughs> you know, I'm just because the yeah. enemy always comes for me and it's just the reality. And so I was it's like, your worth and your identity is not a feeling, it's in a person, mm-hmm. which okay. means that whether you feel worthy or not, you're still called and you're still equipped. And so that's what keeps me also rooted and grounded is that I don't need to feel good. I don't need to feel qualified. I don't need to have any of the feels to know that I'm so, that I'm so loved and cared for and known.
4: That's good. When you were talking about it not being a feeling, I kept, I kept hearing it's not a feeling, it's a fact. (laughs) Who who we are, who God created us to be just is. We can't actually change that. We can't alter that in any way there is nothing that we can do that could change our worth
3: yeah
4: at all and it so this concept of worth I see it over in all of your book titles yeah um yeah. talk to us a little bit about the concept of worth and worthiness and how that came to be part of your message and it, like is
3: that your life message talk, mm. talk to us a little bit about that that's good I think for me is like, my first book is called Know Your Worth. And that was really had birthed from a very dark season when I hit rock bottom. I had just, he had just ended this relationship with me. He he was a sociopath, didn't know it. And he wrecked me. It probably was the relationship that made me, um, not made me, but I just hit rock bottom after that. And every relationship I tried and, after, and that year just failed. Mm-hmm. And I just kept searching for something to fill me up. Like, just let me feel good, feel this emptiness or something. Right. And, and I, at the end of the year, I just remember like, it's all going to be okay. I remember it was, I looked out my window and I was in my f- fuzzy robe and I just remember thinking, it's okay. Yeah. And, and then I just, I started writing the book birth from the pain because all of who I was, was wasn't everything else except Jesus. And I didn't know how to be loved by God because love to me was abuse. It was words that were unkind. And I thought that was okay. I thought it was okay to accept that because I didn't, nobody ever challenged me otherwise. Yeah, And so walking out this idea of worth was, I just kept posting things about women of, you know, very um, generic, like you don't have to settle for this, hashtag know your worth and I just started spreading this message because I was so very kind of immature in the Lord or a baby I should say and that was back in 2014 and I just was like ladies know your worth over and over again because I didn't know my worth and the whole self-worth that whole thing self-love self-worth I just I don't agree with it I love that you're rolling your eyes right now (laughs) I actually journaled about this concept Um, this morning. Yeah, I just, I roll my eyes because, you know, self-worth, we, I say self-love can lead to self-sabotage. Because we put, everybody's like, love yourself if you love yourself, if you love yourself. And what happens when we get to this idea of you're you're telling yourself you just need to try harder to love yourself. And then when you don't feel like you love yourself, you feel like a failure. And then you Mm. feel like you're doing something wrong. But I tell women that if God is love, then the lens that we view love in worth, we can express it through his expression of what love is, which we can see in the love chapter. You know, if God says that love is patient, love is kind, love endures all things, that means that I can look at myself through the lens of love and go, am I kind to myself? Am I patient to myself? Am I enduring all things? Do I have faith in all things? Do I have hope in all things? Which then tells me love. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to have self-love. I don't need to discover self in a sense of, yeah, I need to know like what he's called me to, my gifts, things I love and enjoy, but to just strive to have self-worth and self-love that's not rooted in Christ first from the lens viewing out, I'll always fail myself. How do you,
4: <laughs> I imagine that that's not a real popular take in the fitness industry so <laughs> No, it's not. So how do you kind of present that message to people, maybe even people are, that are not believers in, in your industry?
3: I think that the Lord is really teaching me lately to be more bold about what I believe in. And I think that that just has come through the process of not uh, worrying about offense and what people say. And he's really teaching me a lot of that during this time of, will I stand for the truth no matter the cost? Wow. And that—that yeah. that is what he's really been showing me. I'm not saying I'm there yet, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but I just see the repeated cycle over and over again when the self-love message, if the self-love message is working, then why aren't more people healed, feeling whole, and free from addictions, and free from all the other stuff that keeps weighing us down?
4: Yeah. Amen. Yep. Dang, you are That's, preaching my sermon today, true, girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I think I think what it comes down to and I love that you touched on scripture, you know, about love being patient and being kind and recognizing that that love th- that true love does not come from anybody else but the yeah. Father. And I think I mean I think that we we start to have revelation of that when we are spending time with him. But also, like when we are asking ourselves those questions, like you said, yeah. Jess, how are you? Like, where's your heart at? Um, so, I mean, I, I would just, I would love it if you would share a little bit of how you tend to your heart, like mm. your mind, your body, um, your soul. Like, what are ways in which you do that on a practical level, even?
3: Yeah, no, that's good. I, when I, just going back to that self love topic, I think when we say self-love and self-worth, we're really trying to communicate to ourselves that we can have compassion and kindness towards ourselves. And that's all of the heart of the father, right? Yes. But we make it about self. And you know, when we're trying to work out and eat healthier or we're trying to do the call that he has on it, we're going to mess up and we're not going to get it right. I don't need to love myself more to know that truth. But what I can do in that process is I can go, you know what, Jess, today you just... You didn't didn't do well. Maybe you lashed it on your husband. Maybe you did this. But guess what? I can apologize and I can be kind to myself. Jess, you didn't hit it, but you're still good. Like, you know, good as in eyes of the father. And what I'm saying that is that is expressing kindness and goodness to myself because he's called me first good. Mm, And so when I start to put this into practice myself is to help women realize it all goes together. So I teach a lot in spirit, soul, and body. Is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. When we can understand those three and how they work together, that is when we can walk into wholeness. Because the Lord is always telling us; it's, He's always leading our hearts towards healing. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, He's He's not giving us all the sickness, and He's not like just giving us evil and all the things. He's not the author of sin; therefore, He can't be the author of the consequences either. And a lot of that takes looks like responsibility, which is also a really hard word for a lot of people. And so for me, practically is okay, how's how how am I doing with my thought life? Because your thought life will directly affect how you physically feel. Mm -hmm. It's just if you're stressed, what do you get? A headache, typically. If you had a really overwhelming day, you get a headache, you'll feel fatigued, you'll feel exhausted. But if you have like a really good day and you're like laughing, what do you feel? You're like, I can take on the world. Your body <laughs> responds to the thoughts that you think and every emotion that you have releases a chemical that then goes into your body as a messenger to communicate to your body that now what you were thinking is how you are feeling Yeah. in back. And it's just important to me to, it's all throughout scripture, how he tells us to renew our mind, to renew our inner man, to think on the thoughts that we're thinking fear not, pray continuously, always give thanks. You know, there are these prompts that he tells us because he knows how powerful one, our words are and two, our thoughts are. Yeah. And so when I go to this kind of healing is always starts in my head first um, as far as thoughts, because if my soul is the gateway, meaning I'm either gonna be partnering with my body or I'm gonna be partnering with my spirit. And if I partner with my spirit, then that goes right into my body. But if I just do soul and body, I get no spirit.
1: Hmm. that's good (laughs) let's go that's awesome I mean but it's really it's so easy to be to let our emotions dictate so much of what we do and what we believe and I love that you touched on our thoughts and recognizing what's truth and what's not Um, it's it's so it's powerful when we mm-hmm, yeah. can really like when we can call out what is true and what's not. Yeah. And and live from that. So and it reminds me too of something that I am
4: constantly repeating, which is that we get to decide how we think about how we feel. We yeah. get to make a choice. That's that's basically choosing an attitude. Yep. So we don't have to just let our feelings run amok and you know let our thoughts follow them around like a little puppy. We get to decide how we view our emotions as they come in. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we just have to make space for them because they deserve that because they're real and applicable and valid. They're always valid, but sometimes we also need to get ourselves in check and give a little attitude adjustment and say, hey, jealousy. Hey, greed. Because I feel like those are some emotions that can come at us sometimes. (laughs) You need to go. This is what the word says about jealousy. Yeah. you need to you need to let that one go. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, so it's definitely. good. And, yeah. and a lot of that comes from old beliefs or old things that you know. The emotions when we just react is that we've been tr- we have hardwired our brains, we've hardwired our bodies to respond and to be triggered by specific uh, events or things that people say, because that mm-hmm. just shows us that there's healing that still needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people to to kind of share this is a truth always leads to restoration and a lie always leads to destruction.
4: That's so good. Hmm.
3: So it's just an easy way. It, it can sometimes like bring you back into it, but there's, you know, all the kinds of different ways that you can kind of bring yourself into your emotion of kind of creating space between it so it doesn't become your reality. But even a simple truth like that of like, okay, what am I thinking about? Is it leading to restoration in any area of my life? Is this helping my kids, my husband, my work, or, you know, helping me feel better, quote unquote. Or is this leading me down like the imagination hole where we create fear and all the alternate realities that don't exist?
4: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like that, you've done a lot of trauma work. Um, is that something that you've focused on?
3: I think um, I'm learning more about it now that I've come through it. So for my in my own life, I've had to work through a lot of things. And that has helped me now to be able to help and see beyond just what people are telling me. They're like, yeah, I just need to work out more. I'm like, mm, I don't know. You know, like, cause I'm, all, I'm a very deep thinker. So I can do small talk, but I would rather you just be like, let's talk all the gushy stuff. Like what's going on, you know, like how Same. are you really doing? Uh, so can we just talk about that versus, you know, you just needing a nutrition plan? Cause I just, I'll tell people, I'm not your girl if you need a nutrition plan. I'm not your girl if you need this. I'm kind of your girl if you actually want like long-term sustainable, not like kind of relapsing kind of things. Like I don't ever claim myself to be a therapist or anything like that, but I know that God has a call in my life to learn this, to speak truth and to help women overcome this.
4: Yeah, that's so good. That kind of reminds me of a book—sorry, I'm going to stop talking, Jess, so you can get your word in—of <laughs> um, a book called The Body Keeps the Score. If you haven't heard of it, you should check it out. Yeah.
3: Yeah, okay. I have. Yeah. I'm starting reading. It's really heavy, though. I mean, I'm like, Yeah. yeah. takes, like, a year to read through that. Just yes, no doubt. sarcasm. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's a bigger book. Sorry, Jess. Go ahead.
2: No, no problem. Well, because speaking of books, you have another book called um, The Worthy Wife. hmm or yeah. oh, I'm sorry a worthy wife. Yeah. And you've meant you mentioned earlier this kind of destructive relationship cycle you were in in your dating years and I know you are married now. Yeah. So how did you get there? What did you learn about healthy relationships? What is a worthy wife? Yeah. Any of those questions.
3: Yeah. You know, if you read my three books in order, you kind of follow my life in the last four years. <laughs> you know, you can, they go in sequential order. So when I wrote A Worthy Wife and I started talking to all these women about relationships, I realized that, you know, my husband and I, we met on eHarmony. Hey, and we, we, we met we, on Match. <laughs> so fun. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I love it because we, we're very independent people, but type A's in a sense. And we just interviewed each other because we had gotten to the point where in my walk of who I was with my spiritual father, where I was like, I don't got time to waste on people that don't want to save themselves to marriage because I had been reborn in purity. Um, And so I was like, if you're not going to wait, listen, we're done, you know, kind of thing, because he was older. uh, He was like. How old was he? He's 35. So he's probably like 29, 30. Gosh, that's terrible. I don't know. But I was late 20s too. And we just kind of interviewed each other. And we were like, hey, what do you believe? What do you stand for? What do you don't? Like all these questions. How are you with your finances? Are you in debt? All these questions that we kind of just went over. And so writing A Worthy Wife is helping women understand that submission is not this idea that like men are like controlling you and helping women understand context of why maybe their husband does certain things, especially like trash. Like I remember this girl, she was just so mad that I said, Hey, it's okay to take out the trash ladies, you know, but they're like, <laughs> my husband, he's the man and he should be taking out trash. And I was like, <laughs> it's a relationship. So it's a hundred, hundred, it's not 50, 50.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And therefore helping them i was like well maybe they your husband watched his mom take out the trash every day and never his dad you know so he's expecting you as his wife cuz he watched his mom to take out the trash so it's understanding how each individual person has stories. And then how, when you guys come together, how does that look? How do you communicate effectively? How do you have boundaries in your relationship? Mm-hmm. What's important? You know, where you get on an elevator, where you have a, you know, a meeting in a room with a closed door with a woman, you know, like those kind of things, knowing what you believe in. I know a lot of women that don't know what their husbands make. They don't know what their husband believes in and they've been married for five, 10 years. So that's, that's why I'm like, if I can help again, hey, this is what you should be talking about. At least, I don't want to shit on anybody, but this is a starting point, you know, of yeah. start asking these questions. And if it's no, or it's don't sacrifice your integrity, your authenticity, and who God's called you to be just so that you're not alone. Yeah.
2: I mean, That's it sounds really good. like it's a great book, whether you're single, dating, or already mm-hmm. married, yeah. just on how to ask the right questions and how to build healthy communication. Yeah, for sure. So how
4: does, this, how does this kind of tie into your overarching life message? Like if you could sum up everything that you've hit on in all of the books, kind of as we wrap up, what is the bigger message?
3: That at no matter any age or any weight or whatever, that God has always called you to the abundant life. And that is wholeness and wellness and healing and restoration and just the abundant life. And a lot of us, um, I, lo- I love the world's view. Uh, I remember I was in a conference and it was just like this light bulb for me. It was the world kind of teaches that as you get older, you kind of like decay, nobody cares about you. You know, it's like this idea that as you get older, you kind of come become less significant. But if, if we look at the Bible, it's like Moses and Abraham, they were like killing it in their nineties, right? Like they were yes. getting the promises of God at like 90, getting babies like and it just encouraged my heart so much because we often like I'm 40 I'm 50 I mean I know I'm only 32 but it's just these ages that we oh gosh I'm getting 50 I'm getting older it's like this curse on our lives and I just want like no matter the age no matter you can heal you can get, yeah. get set free you can stay free uh you can find your identity in Christ this whole it's just overall it's not too late
4: amen mm. That's so awesome. That's so good. As someone who turned 40 this week, I really appreciate That's awesome. that. <laughs> it's so true, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. awesome. Good. Wow. Any last mm-hmm. words you want to share? You know, I, I always, uh, for me, I always tell women that God wants to do something in you. He wants to work in you, um, but He can't do it without you. Hmm. And yeah. I think that, Oftentimes we'll pray and we'll sit back or we'll pray and we'll just watch other people, but he wants to partner with you. And and I was told him when you pray, believe that you have received it. You know, scripture tells us pray without doubting, you know, continue to pray. But I, I was encouraging him. Like when you pray, walk in your prayer, mm-hmm. don't dis, um, I don't want to say discredit or cancel, but when we pray, don't speak against your prayers. Right. Stand on the word that you spoke in your prayers and continue to speak over. If you want healing in your body, this is a really easy example. If you're wanting healing and you're praying and thanking God for your healing, stop saying how sick you are with your mouth. Mm -hmm. That's good. It sounds so ridiculous to so many people, but when you really think about it and how he says in scripture and how he words our words, what we're praying and then what we're saying, they need to be matching. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good.
4: Amen. I love that The power of words. So important. Yeah. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah appreciate it.
4: We got to get your message out to more people. So this is awesome. I'm sure. And I appreciate it,
3: guys. Thank you so much for having me. Before we let you go,
2: though, speaking of getting your message out, you have a podcast, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, I
3: do. It's called What's the Truth?
2: What's yeah. the Truth? OK. And we'll put nice. a link to that in our show okay. notes as well, as well as links to all of your books. Um and your website and everything so people can get in touch with you and get connected with you and start following you on Instagram. Um, listeners follow her. Her page is amazing. Yes, yeah. for sure. We all follow you already. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate the support.
3: Yeah, you bet. Means a lot.
2: Um, so thank you so much for coming on, um, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks
3: so much for having me.
1: I love that Jessica talked about... The internal, what's going on inside? Because mm-hmm. there's so much focus on the external um, in our everyday that we sometimes forget to like look inside and ask ourselves the questions. How are you? Checking in. Like I love that she spoke about that. Like just having a, a self reflection, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as simple as just pausing and asking, Michaela, how are you? like what's happening in your heart and it makes a a world it makes a world of difference when we do that so I was just so encouraged and challenged to to do that more in my yeah. everyday
4: definitely so. you know I'm a fan of reflection yeah. <laughs> yeah I love it and I think it's such a key to intentional living
1: mm-hmm. that
4: if we don't pause to reflect we're we're and have that moment of self-awareness and checking in with ourselves, we're going to lose intention, which means we're probably gonna miss what God is doing because we're just not paying
1: attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. really, really great. I love and It does have it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, you know, like right.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I love that she has come from from such a place of hurt and struggle in her life. Um and it to me, it just speaks so deeply to the way that she kept mentioning restoration. Mm-hmm. That God's heart is for restoration. And as devastating as her childhood and upbringing sounded, what God has done and how He's restored and redeemed her life, not just for her, but for the benefit of others and for His glory, is just simply inspirational. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adore her. That was a wonderful conversation. Yeah. She's
2: amazing. And seriously, go follow her on Instagram. We'll link it in the show notes because her her posts and her stories are just really really truth-filled and inspirational and it's good content. Yeah. And get her books. Get her books. For sure. And one thing I loved as she was sharing, you know, she said her three books, if you read them, you kind of live her life with her throughout those years, right. I love that she didn't wait till she felt like she had arrived at the end of the journey to write the book. Or, you know, yes. so true. Like She's doing the thing God called her to as she's walking it out, as she's living it out, as He's teaching her every day, she's sharing what she learns. So it's like, you don't have to wait until you feel like you've arrived at some point to just start. Right. Sharing what so God good, has yes. given you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So awesome. I like that. It's motivating. It mm-hmm. is. No doubt. <laughs> Get, Get out there it. and go do what you are created to do. That's right. Give God your um, yes. Yeah. He's going to blow your minds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, hey, if you don't follow us on Instagram, do that too at Flexed yeah. mm-hmm. Workshops. Um, yeah. And you can always check out our blog for more information. And um, the show notes below have some good links to things we love. Yep. So
4: and until next that time. Way. Yeah. You guys have an awesome couple of weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive content, Contests and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Sprezza Foundry, and Michaela at the Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected podcast is recorded and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Alan.